Welcome to Dare a New Belief, a place to discover what is possible for your life after the loss of a loved one, and where you will find inspiration, insight, support, and love, and hopefully a bit of laughter to help you through the day. Now here's your host, Nada Hogan. Hello and welcome to Dare a New Belief in What is Possible for Your Life. I am your host, Nada Hogan, and today I am blessed and honored to introduce you to Belkis Clark Mitchum, who has become one of my dear friends, and I think you are going to gain so much information, inspiration, and confidence from this interview. Belkis is a motivational speaker and spiritual life coach who helps women over 25 who have lived through trauma to identify their prisons, break free, and unleash their unique light. She is a survivor of sexual abuse and has risen from a place of attempted suicide to success. In more than a decade, she has helped many individuals. Elkis holds a bachelor's in English and a minor in communications and a master's in human communication. Elkis worked as a journalist for over 12 years and has taught at every level from preschool to university, covering mostly human interest stories and spending one quarter of class time motivating students. Elkis recognized what her life's calling was, is in coaching. She made the switch to her life's purpose, doing what she was most passionate about and how blessed we are to have her in the coaching arena and helping women around the world. Belkis, thank you for being here and thank you for your work. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share with your audience. Ah, absolutely. Yes, my honor, truly my honor. And in case you notice that accent, Belkis is from the Caribbean and now (laughs) resides in Texas. So it's great because you get the little Caribbean feel when you're talking with her. So so Belkis, could you tell my audience a little bit about you and what brought you to the place that you're at now, highly successful, motivational speaker, touching people's lives, changing people's lives, and really being a light in the world of trauma and especially sexual trauma, which is such a tough subject to broach, much less even open up to the healing of that. So if you can share a little bit about your story, I, I would be so honored. And it's a safe environment. I want you to know that, that we hold light and love for you while you share Mm -hmm. your story with us. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. Because sometimes, you know, you go into an environment to share your story and you feel like, oh my goodness, what will the response be? When will I get out of this? But I think it has really been quite a journey to where I now stand today. You, You know, I hear you asking the question, And my mind started flickering over scenes from different parts of my life and what it took to get me to where I am today. And one of the things I always tell individuals is that it would be great if we had a fairy godmother with a magic Mm -hmm. wand that could just either make it all disappear. But the truth is, it is a journey. 
it's a process and that doesn't sound very exciting and magical and miraculous but when you stand on the other side of the coin is when you start to go like it's a miracle that i made it this far when you think back to all you've been through now my story began as a kid with uh, sexual abuse and uh, incest and uh, it's carried you know throughout my childhood my teenage years into my early into my 20s even my 30s because i was divorced at 30 and it is when that is when a lot of the the lessons that i had been gleaning over the years came to a full like no more you know and uh, i was depressed through childhood to preteen to teenage years into my 20s and this, the thing about that is that when it comes to sexual violation it tears apart of your soul it's as if your soul was incinerated and it leaves just ashes there you know and so for me it was like what do i do with these nobody wants this and who's going to love this and i wanted to take myself out and when i wasn't trying to kill myself i tried suicide several times because you get to this really deep dark place that you can't seem to pull yourself up out of and you can't see the good that there is in life or the point and so i didn't want to go on and so several times as a matter of fact my first attempt when i was 16 years old the day i turned 16 they released me from the hospital that was my first attempt wow. and that yeah it was yeah, that was years of cutting and hitting myself just to remind myself that i could feel wow. something because you start to go numb from all the the, the, the mental anguish you you disconnect from your emotions and i needed to remind myself that i could still feel and i was still real and still here in the present so hurting myself was one of those ways and it truly was hard it wasn't easy but i felt that nobody would love me i felt that nobody could hear me or see my pain and i wished that someone would but on my action still kept people at bay because of what i've been through so it was this weird tug of war and fight against myself right yeah so say all that to say that there were a couple of people who eventually they is as if they were out to prove that not everybody was the same not everybody left you not everybody hurt you not everybody abandoned you and not everybody will judge you for what you would have been through that they could still see good in me and i tested that in so many ways because i was like oh this is lies y'all just lying yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah. Were the, who were those people belkis that that showed up in your life that were there to prove that not everybody is the same that there are some really great people in the world who were those people i have a cousin that i didn't even know until i was like what 12 or 13 that moved to our area and uh, when my grandmother said you know we started to talk it was a guy and i was very apprehensive but we started to talk and it was my grandmother who was like oh you met him oh that's your cousin and we developed quite a friendship and he became a person that he was the person if it was one o'clock in the morning and i was like i'm feeling down i'm feeling depressed i just want i don't feel like i could face one other day he would leave his home Oh. come sit 
talk to me, you know, just let me pour it all out. So he was one of those persons. And then over the years, my mom became one of those persons as well. I think my mom struggled a lot with feeling as if she had failed me and not knowing how to to help her child, how what she could do when it seemed as if the most horrible thing had happened already. Right. And so she struggled and eventually though she grew into her own as a woman and as a mother and really you know became the individual who could then ask me why did you feel suicidal why this why that and we we got to the place where we could have those open conversations and she has been an amazing and amazing support so and uh, there was a teacher who recognized that something was not right oh. that how could a brilliant student all of a sudden grades just start doing this flip-flop thing and kept and persisted and persisted until I just kind of flung it out there like, okay, so I was sexual abuse, so what? And wow. I, he, he got me to counseling and it became a little bit of a disaster I didn't want because then it meant letting your parents know, letting your grandmother know, letting everybody all of a sudden now knew. But oh. the one thing now that really troubled me is that they did not ask me how I was coping after. Now that you knew, nobody asked, how are you coping? Nobody, you know, but my, I understood that my family, they didn't know how to deal with it. Is that an excuse? No. I just learned to understand their context a little bit better. So it means that I'm not bitter. And I, I just understood that they did not know what to do with this thing that was revealed. Right. Right. So did you figure that out while you were going through the process when you were going to counseling and sharing all of this information and then realized that nobody was even asking you, how, how are you doing? How are you coping with this? Did you know then and, and were you coming to a conclusion then that people just don't know what to do with this? And because that sounds like it's pain on top of the pain you're already doing. Nobody's even asking, yeah. how am I coping? with this. Yeah. So when did, when did you start understanding that it's just they didn't know what to do or how to handle it themselves? When did that come? That did not come at that point. It uh, was years later when I, when I was going through my healing because going to counseling and all of that did not necessarily bring my healing. It, what it offered me was um, a place to offload, but I still did not know what to do with what had happened, how to see myself, if anybody would love me. I, would make, I was making one bad decision after another where relationships were concerned because, you know, whether or not we admit it, we are driven for connection, soul connection. We want our own version of our little fairy tale. It ain't got to be nothing like in the book, but we want somebody who could love us beyond the goddess. So it, to be, love us beyond the pain to the goddess inside of us. So yeah. that, is like, you know, you kept looking, but because I didn't know what to do with all this hurt, all this pain, I kept making this, like decisions that just reinforced or repeated what had happened because that's mm -hmm. what trauma does to you. It gets down into your subconsciousness yeah. and your subconscious is the behaviors that you do without even having to think about it. Right. So it right. kind of rewires you. So it did, not, it did not happen in that moment. As a matter of fact, I learned to tell counselors what they wanted to hear. Because over the years, I've been to several counselors and I learned to know what it is they want and tell them what they wanted to hear. Because I realized that I'm talking, 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 I'm being all vulnerable and 
no one was given to me, like, what do I do now? Do I still have some value? Is there even any purpose? How do I love me? Is this going to define me? Would I always be judged by this? Would anybody accept me? You know, and so I learned to hide. I learned to hide really well. Right in front of people's face, I learned to hide. And so, no, it took me a long time to get to a place now where I recognized people's context, which was my family, understood that they were clueless, they weren't equipped with, the most they could do is just let me, is like, be there, but they didn't know what else to do in being there, they didn't know how to talk about it, and I understood years later their context. Right, right, wow, wow. Oh man, you are a strong and beautiful woman. I mean, you are as beautiful on the inside as you are on the outside because I've <laughs> I've been able to spend time with you in person and it it is amazing. Your story is just gripping, heart pounding, breaking and gripping. I want to circle back to mm-hmm. when you were talking about that there were people in your life that proved to you that mm-hmm. not all people were the same. There were some good people in the world. And yeah. when you talked about your mom and you mm-hmm. said that, you know, your mom, when she, she got to grow into her own, was mm-hmm. that due to your trauma? Did that cause her to grow into her own beingness because of what happened to you? Well, in the conversations that we have these days, we would talk about stuff like that, like and how if and how it impacted her. Yeah, and she would always tell me. She said, "You have no idea that she said through the negative you've been through and the positive you're now doing." She she said, "You have no idea how you impact me." She said, "You are a pioneer for our family, and not just in what you accomplish physically." She said, "But in the way you help to shift thinking." So my experiences provided a backdrop in a sense for some of her growth and it brought certain things to realization and brought her face to face with herself in some areas. And then she, so she had to make some decisions about who she wants to be, yeah, where she's going as a mother, as a woman. And it has been amazing. My mom got pregnant with me as a teenager, my first child. Okay. And so she was young, you know, and struggling to just do the best that she knew how based on what she was taught or the examples she saw. Right. But I saw that woman, when she realized that certain things weren't wor- working, she tried. She tried really hard to change things, to shift, to not just say, you know what, this is it and I can do nothing about it, you know, and I... I I can really appreciate it. Was I hurt as a youngster? There are times I just cried tears, long tears, sobbing, heartbreaking because I just needed my mom. Yeah. But not knowing how to connect to her past this whole bridge that existed. It was like a gaping canyon. And I knew she loved me, but I did not know how to make her understand what I was going through, what I was feeling, and she seemed to not know. So yeah, the experience definitely was a wake-up call for her. She told me quite frankly, she wished she could have done, she would have done differently at the point because she felt so torn. You know, she felt really torn because she said it's tough when there's somebody you know all your life and you see in a certain light and they think they could do that to your child. She said. It's hard to reconcile in your brain and you don't want to 
make a child feel as if they're not believed either. She says so she tried to hold both things in her hand and it did not work. Oh, wow. Yeah. She's pretty amazing. And I could appreciate that just like how I had to grow, that she too had to do the same thing with this. But you know what is important, Nara, is that people know and see your efforts that you are making. Maybe you, you don't have to get it perfect. But one of the things with persons who have been sexually violated or experienced trauma is that people seem to just want to hustle them past the experience, like get over it. That yeah. again, you're still dealing with that. Or it, they want to diminish the experience. So as if, you know, yeah, but you got to be strong and you got to this and you got to move past it and stuff like that. What we long for is for people to understand that we hurting and we hurt for a long time and that we will get to the place where maybe it won't hurt as much, but can you just acknowledge that we are going through a tough time and we just need some understanding at this point? That is what I needed at that point, that somebody would see into me, not see the pretend smiles, not see all the, the, the I just acted right, I did right and all of that, but see past all that to the torment and the torture I was suffering, right. you know? And uh, I think eventually my mom started to see some of that. She didn't at first. Yeah. She didn't. And that hurt. That hurt a whole lot. Yeah. But eventually she got to that place. I think my cousin was one of the, he stood with me through thick, yeah. through thin, you know, wanted to kick my butt sometimes for the decisions <laughs> I made. But yeah. Yeah. Which every good <laughs> loving friend or relative should do. Yeah. Kick our yeah. butts when we're making those bad decisions yeah. for our poor decisions, I should say for ourselves. Yeah. You know, you brought something up, Belkis, and I never even thought about this before because your mother was in a position where, so I'm assuming that somebody in her family or at least somebody that she mm -hmm. knew had sexually abused you. Mm -hmm. And she was trying to, to hold that this person that I have known all of my life, that yeah. I know in this way, and my daughter, who I know in this way, and there's this huge betrayal and trying to make sense of that in your own head at the same time, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. how do I hold these two things that are so opposing to one another and, and just mind-boggling. Oh, my God. Yeah. I've never thought what it would feel like to be the parent mm -hmm. of a child who has been sexually abused and incest and the torment and torture of that. My God. Yeah. But the thing is, Nada, is that you, you know, you really, it, it didn't, I, at, like I said, at that moment, I wasn't seeing that from my mom's perspective. Right. It is a lot of growth, really healing and that allowed me that's the thing it is very rare i've realized that we get to the place where we can honestly see our pain through the eyes of another individual because the thing about us hurting is that we just want the focus to be on me over here hurting right the thing about healing when you really get to a place and a position where you know who you are you put all that healing and every that that hurt and pain and what you would have been through into context, when you are able to do that, you, it means you're able to see another person's context. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of the experiences. This sexual abuse is a horrible thing. Incest is ridiculously heart-wrenching, mind-numbing, destructive, disruptive. It just kills something in you. Yeah. But 
it is weird that this thing that caused so much horror in my life became the thing that the, the avenue through which I also have experienced a lot of honor. So it's the horror on one end and the growth to the honor. It is knowing that I could end up in a place where I wasn't judged or it wasn't thrown in my face or I wasn't, my standards and my values weren't determined by my experiences and that there would be people who could see into me, see the good in me and love that and know that this other stuff, that that was just, by the way, it was terrible, but it did not define me. One of the things I always tell my clients, trauma cannot destroy what it did not create. Oh, I love that. I'm going to write that down. Can you say that one more time? Yeah. Trauma cannot destroy what it did not create. Oh, did you come up with that? That is so Yes, ma'am. That is a Belkis original. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, because it's the truth. You know, it's one of the things because you know my story also about losing Mm -hmm. my daughter and and it's, it's always so uncomfortable to be able to say that what my life looked like 10 and a half years ago prior to the accident is nothing compared to what it looks like now. They, they are so different. And in that trauma of losing her, right, a completely different story, completely different trauma, but mm-hmm. it was through that trauma that I got to grow and see life in a completely different light and have a completely different perspective and be able to have feelings that I never had felt before, like (laughs) forgiveness in a way that you, I have never been able to experience forgiveness. So Mm -hmm. it it is that trauma that the the gift that is Mm -hmm. in that, even though you would never wish any of the events that happened to you on Mm -hmm. another person, but what, where it put you, where it brought you and the gifts that it delivered, I don't think you would ever want to give away or or to change. And before I forget, how are you? How, how has the whole forgiveness project worked out with you on this path? Oh, wow. You know, a lot of the things that I was told <laughs> is that like, when it comes to forgiveness, as if it's this one-time thing that goes like with a snap of a finger, you know, I have realized that forgiveness comes in stages. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you really want to forgive. Sometimes you don't want to forgive because you feel justified in the fact that I'm angry at you and I deserve to be angry and not forgive you because you did a horrible thing. So it is a back and forth kind of tug of war, you know, that I've had over the years in myself. And the truth is, (laughs) this is going to be so weird, I guess, for some people, I don't know. But there was a point in my time when I would have sworn that I'd forgiven this man. Yeah. Honestly, well, there were a couple of others actually. So it wasn't just one person, but there was a time in my life that I thought I'd forgiven them. And this was years after I thought, okay, I'm healed. I'm helping people. I'm going on. And then I heard years later of them doing the same, one of them doing the same thing. Or I came face to face and they hurt somebody else. And I realized, wait, no, I was good at masking 
all my good supposed goodness and all my movement. I was good at acting as if I had forgiven. I could hold a conversation with you, but holding a conversation with you does not mean that I'd forgiven you. Right. It's like if you have a cold, the symptoms isn't actually the virus. Yeah, right. So I was giving off all the symptoms of forgiveness, but I was not attacking it at the core to get rid of the virus of unforgiveness. And so it took me years. It was up and down, up and down. Mm -hmm. And it was a torturous journey. And I got to a place where I was tired. I was tired of holding it and blaming this person for stuff. And look, they did it. It happened. But they have not been doing it all these years. So what am I going to do to interrupt the impact that their actions have had on my life? I got tired of them having an impact on my life. I got tired of living the victim of my circumstances. I was so tired of carrying this around as if it was some badge of honor and wanting the sympathy and pity of others. And I was like, is there something else to Belkis? Can I be another way? How do I believe in total healing? You move past always carrying this stuff, carrying the person. They would have moved on. I needed happy. And obviously, I wasn't being true to myself. And I wanted to know what that was like. Yeah. If I, because if I'm only pretending, if I'm only exhibiting the symptoms of forgiveness, but have not really been, have forgiveness flowing from my core, I'm only fooling myself. And I wanted something real. I was done. I was tired of the pretending. I figured if I want somebody to love me for me, they I got to be me. I can't pretend I've forgiven. And so I actually had a conversation with one of the individuals who was really the most impactful on my life. And I was like, here's what I'm going to have a conversation with you. And I'm going to tell you that I'm going to tell my story. And this has not, I'm only telling you the courtesy as a human being, because there will probably be some lashbacks. I said, am I going to worry about how it might impact you now? No. I said, because there are too many other persons out there. I need to help. I said, but I'm telling you out of courtesy so that you'll be prepared for any kind of lashback that it would bring. That's when I realized how much I'd grown. And I said, and I honestly felt it in that moment that I didn't feel angry. I didn't see the trauma every time I looked at him. I, I didn't feel any kind of responsibility. And I realized suddenly that I truly was over this, this man and what he had done. And that is what forgiveness felt like to me. It's like so being so over your part in this whole thing that now all I had was a story that I could now share with others for positive impact, not carrying the bitterness, not carrying the memory. Like I have the memories because I always said, God, don't let me forget, but don't let me be bitter. I don't want to forget because when I talk to other people, I need to remember what they're feeling, what they're experiencing. But I not wanted to, to, I didn't want to take all the bitterness and look what you did and you stole my childhood and you robbed me. I didn't want to take all of that with me. You following what I'm saying? Yeah, so it completely. Was a tough, yeah, it was tough. It was really, really hard. And I struggled for many years. And it's only, I had been coaching people already. And it's only yeah. years later that 
it struck me that I hadn't really forgiven him. So I sat down and I talked to him. And in the moment, I truly felt that I needed to release him. I needed to release him for himself because sometimes people need to know they're forgiven. People need to know sometimes that they can, you know, you ain't holding this anymore. Mm -hmm. And for myself, authenticity, how could I teach people to be true if I just kept being fake about this forgiveness thing? And so, girl, it was tough. I'm telling you, it was rough because I had held on for so long thinking that you hurt me. You stole my childhood from me. And I wanted it back and I couldn't have it back. And so yeah. I'm not going to, to forget this thing and I'm not going to. But I realized I could remember and not hate. Yeah. Wow. So did you recognize when you were speaking with him, when you set up that time to speak with him and have this conversation, had you recognized then that you had forgiven him or was that just part of the process that I need to do this so I can get to that place of forgiveness? And then the forgiveness came while you were having the conversation? That, as a matter of fact, I, that moment was an exhibition that I had already forgiven him. Mm-hmm. Because if I used it in my perspective, if I used it as a part of the process, there was still too much of him involved and in in the process. But by the time I had gotten to the place where we were having the conversation about what I was doing and it may impact you, he may not have had the courtesy to think about me. But you know what I know? When he took, when he did what he did, he may not have thought about the impact it would have on me, how selfish he was, how wrong it was, how disastrous his action was, but I did not have to be him. I did not have, I didn't owe him anything. I was doing that for me. And I realized it was like a completion of that process. When I sat down and talked with him was a completion of the forgiveness process. I didn't need to talk to him to forgive him. I spoke to him because I had forgiven him. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That is powerful. It's different for everybody, but yeah. And uh, I believe in releasing people because no matter the disaster you caused in my life, my intention is not to seek revenge or cause disaster in anybody's life. It is not an easy place to get to. It took many years to get here, but right. I'm not out to hurt you because you hurt me. My story is about healing and upliftment and hope right. of what could happen and how strong we are as, huma- of hum- as human beings yeah. and how we can really bounce back and have the good things. Absolutely. All that human spirit that is just so alive and well in us that just, I always say it beckons us. It's like, it's, it's almost like there's a, like it pulls us. You're, you're in a, in a vortex almost where it pulls us to become everything that you can become because of this event that happened, not in spite of it, but because of that, this is how I now show up in the world. But I think that it's, yeah, yeah. And wow. And and forgiveness, right. We all come about it in our own way, but ultimately to get to that place to forgive, that's mm-hmm. a long ass road. But when you're there, yep. man, the freedom that that brings. Oh my goodness. And that's what I tell people. It don't make sense. I've challenged a lot of people who tell me they have done something when I told them, yeah, but you're just exhibiting the symptoms of the thing. That's yeah. not being the thing. 
So if you, and a lot of the times it's easy to just exhibit symptoms, symptoms of forgiveness, symptoms that we've let go, symptoms that we've moved on because it's demanded of us. We feel like it's how we would be accepted and we don't want to be a burden to people and we don't know if people would judge us for it and and we don't know if anybody's going to love us if we keep being this way and maybe people get tired of us. So it is easy to exhibit the symptoms, but I challenge your audience to not be exhibitors, but to become what they declare that they are, the words that they attribute to themselves, to actually become it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, life is too short. Life is too short now for us to just be exhibiting. And why should people accept a fake you, a pretend you? Right. What is wrong? You need, people need to know the great you and love that. They are, and it's not for everybody. Some people like coffee, some people like tea, and some people don't drink either. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you be your own cup of tea if you, that's what you want, your own cup of coffee, or geez, mix up your own blenders food punch or whatever it is that you like and be that, but give yourself a chance to be accepted and seen for who you are before you are taken from this life. Don't leave this life and have not given yourself a really fair chance of being seen, loved, and accepted for who you truly are. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. Beautifully said. Oh, man. And it is possible. Yeah. Yeah. And you walk the talk and that's the thing that's so beautiful about it is you walk the talk. Yeah. I cannot teach you something that I do not know works. Oh my goodness. I've always had that problem. It's like, as I grew, I kept saying, look, if I don't believe this, how can I teach it to somebody else? Right. You know, my, I think my greatest results are because I know what is required. I ain't, and it doesn't make sense to pretty it up and put a cherry on top when underneath all that you bite and there's just air. Right. Hello. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. That's right. Yeah, oh, man. Oh, man. So, Belkis, I could talk to you for hours on end, (laughs) but I think this is a time we'll start pulling this together and bring it in for a landing. And I would like to know, how can my audience get in touch with you and find information on the work that you're doing? Because it is dark and it's hard. Mm -hmm. And to be able to be the light in that place is such a, you know, and that, that, I'm sorry, I'm wrapping it up and I'm going to ask you another question because sometimes where do you get your support? Because sometimes it is hard to be that light and we need to have the oil inside of our container so we can continue to shine brightly. So who fills up your your container of oil if we use a lantern, (laughs) for example? That's a good question because it took a lot of disappointments and betrayal going through the wrong persons to actually start to recognize who are the right persons. Yeah. And I, my mom is definitely one of my persons. She is in my corner. She's a prayer warrior. She supports me spiritually in what I'm doing, you know, and she looks forward to working with me. And so she's one of my go-to persons. And then I have a couple of friends that I've made over the years who 
understood, they understand what I've been through. And it's like, that don't even matter to them. They just see Belkis for who Belkis is. And when I am tired and I go like, okay, I just need my friend right now. They go like, okay, hop on a call. And yeah. <laughs> we chat and, you know, I could call at whatever hour and they're there and they don't gather information. I'm telling them just to be able to throw it back. It is, how can we work through this? What can I do for you? How can I be of support to you? And then there's my husband. Um, yeah. <laughs> I did not in my wildest dreams thought for one moment that I would ever meet a man who could adore me, mm. who I could get up and my hero is all over the place. In the Caribbean, we got a terminology, a terminology that says, this quankwe. You look, <laughs> you look all out of songs. <laughs> I love it. There's a whole name for it. Can you say it for us one more time? Disquanque. Disquanque. Is that right? Yeah. Disquanque. Yeah. It's like you're all out of songs and look all twisted and look weird and you're not pretty at all. And, <laughs> and he looks at me with adoration and love. And he is, he sees my dreams as if they're his own and he supports me a whole lot. It is important to have a support system. Yeah. Me not just, and you're not talking about somebody who's just looking to say, give you random advice. You're looking for people who you could brainstorm heart to heart with, who could counsel, who understands your context, your story, where you want to go, the vision for your life. I call them your gatekeepers, your gatekeepers and the men on the wall. And that comes from a biblical principle because the men on the wall foresee the enemies far off. They're looking out for you, you know, and the gatekeepers are the one who stand in support and protection around you and they determine who enters into your territory or not. You do not want people who do not, if they don't understand your vision, if they don't understand your foundation, where you've come from, where you're going, they may just be letting out kind of weird people and see it. it is important that you have a support system. So these are the people that when I'm depleted, when I poured myself out either at a speaking engagement or with a client, these are the people I can just put it all down, put the coaching, the speaker down, and just be Belkis. And then there's my little daughter oh. who comes up and holds my face between her two little hands <laughs> and presses her lips against my cheek and says, kisses. Oh. I am restored. I never, I didn't want to have kids, Nara, oh. because of what I've been through. Yeah. I, I, I didn't want to have kids. Yeah. And now I have this little precious angel. Yeah. And, oh, she challenges me. <laughs> These are, this is where I get restored. And the last place, well, not, it's not the last place I go because usually the first thing I do is I pray, I meditate a lot, and I believe in my higher superior being yeah. that I call God. Everybody's got their name, but that's who I connect to every day. Not a step, not a thought without that connection because I believe that if you're superior and supreme, you got insight that I ain't yet got. Right. <laughs> I ain't have yet. And so, and, and you understand me in ways I don't even begin to understand myself. So that is important to me. So I have built my network around me and it's where I get refueled. My, when my candle goes dim, they're there with torches to set that flame ablaze again. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I love that they come with torches. Yeah. Yes, they do. Yes, oh. they do. 
you are surrounded by love and light. And I got the honor also of meeting your beautiful little daughter. And she <laughs> is, yeah, she would She's keep a handful, her. Isn't she? <laughs> she, well, I don't know. I thought she was really great. She's just fantastic and sweet and kind and the love from her eyes and to have her little hands hold yeah. your face and to give you a kiss. I mean, that that is a torch in and of itself, right? Just to have that child's love and yeah. Yeah. I'm grateful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're passionate and you can hear that. It just, you cannot help but get caught up in your passion in this and how you want to help women who have gone through the sexual trauma and traumas. Cause I'm assuming you work with women that have gone through any kind of trauma, not just sexual. Yeah, that's your that's more right. of a focus, but yeah. Yeah. I work with, there are women who just, it's not just been sexual. There are women who've been in relationships for 20 plus years that I coach yeah. who have not had the respect or seen the relationship deteriorate or women who I've spoken to people who've been in arranged marriages. It's, so it's all kinds of different trauma, physical abuse, people who just been betrayed and hurt, right. you know, so it, yeah. different angles, but it all comes down to pain. Right. And letting yeah. them know that there's hope. And that pain, you know, beyond that, that they can truly have the life they dream of. They can have it. And we're talking the realistic life. We're not talking the just give me a million bucks from nowhere kind of a life. <laughs> right, right. And I totally believe because I, I wonder if people listen to this and hear, yeah, right, but you don't know my story and that would never happen for me. And I truly believe that we live in this world of polarity that there's up. And the only reason we know there's up because there's down That's and there's right. left. And we know that because there's a right. And That's it's the right. same exact thing with the pain and the trauma, no matter what it happens to be, that mm -hmm. that thing that is so painful, the event or circumstance or whatever that thing happens to be is so painful that in the world of polarity on the opposite side of it has to be something that is equally as beautiful and life-giving. Exactly. Yeah. And I was determined to, I was like, I'd hurt, I would been hurt. And I was so sick and tired and fed up of the negative spaces and the hurting and the men that I was seeing who just wanted to use you as if you were sexual, therefore sexual um, conquest or whatever. And they couldn't see that you were a person. I was so sick and tired and fed up of brokenness. And yes, I was one of them who thought me, that cannot happen to me. But I dare to tell anyone, if you dare to try differently that I, that something will shift. It's like a chemistry equation. Yeah. You know, in chemistry, if you put, you keep putting elements together, but the moment you put a little bit more of one thing, a little bit less of one thing, ultimately the end result in some way will shift. Right. Right. So, what, so you don't, if you're going to sit and do the same thing every day, over and over and over, of course your results will be the same and it does not matter what your story is, shift an element, your results will shift. And I'm not talking about, like I said earlier, about pretending to shift it. I'm talking about changing, getting at that virus at the root and rooting it out for what it is and applying the medication that's necessary right at the core so that it will, it will change all the outgoing symptoms as a result of it. It is almost like I dare anybody to, to, to try. Yeah. And if yeah. you don't know how, 
Well, you could find me on www. on my website. Yeah. Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's just it. The passion and the love and the the energy that you generate, that it does not have to continue being the way that it is in your life, that there is hope, there is light. I am a walking example of how your life can be with a beautiful family, with a husband that loves and adores me, coaching and help or whatever direction somebody wants to go, but how you're doing it where you get to empower not just one person, but hundreds of people, thousands of people in growing into their very best version of themselves. And it is, it's what a blessing, what a gift you are to the world, Belkis, to be able to offer that and to share it from a place of such a horrific and traumatizing, torturous place to be, to where it's like you are just out in the light and in the sky and beautiful and shining and literally being a beacon of light for others to be able to see you and to be able to come to you to be able to get healing and get their life back on track. So to do that, where do people, how do they find you? How do they reach out to you? And for all of my listeners, this will be on the show notes. So if you miss it, don't worry about it. We'll have all of the spelling, everything there correctly. You will know exactly how to get in touch with Bill Keys. So, but can you tell us how to find you? They can find me on www.belkisclark.com and on almost any social media platform. But if they go to my website, there are direct links that they can click on the icons that takes them to either a contact me page or a email me page or a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter account. They can definitely. So head over to my website and you've got some options there of how you can find me. All right. Perfect. And perfect. And don't forget because her information will be in the show notes and you'll be able to have the correct spelling and get right to that website and click on the links to be able to contact Bill Keys and, um, and if you need healing, speaking, whatever it happens to be, because she offers a lot. And absolutely, you can tell it comes straight from your heart. I am honored and overjoyed that you were able to have this time with me. <laughs> I thought we were going to talk for half an hour, and I think we're into an hour. <laughs> I think <laughs> so, like, too. Oh, I love it. But it's just, there's so much. And I know we're not yeah. done. We're not done. We could have spent an hour just talking about the very first sentence that we started off with. So I hope that you will be able to find the time to come back onto the show so we can continue asking more questions and get more answers and more help for the women and men who need the help and to be able to know if there is somebody out there that could understand what I'm going through and that could help me, that that person is reachable, attainable, and is available, then it's just like, it's that lifeline that people need to know is available for them when they are suffering and going through trauma. So I would love to have you back on the show again, and we can talk about that a little bit later on. But much love to you, Bill Keys, and thank you so much. Any parting words before we wrap this up for the, the for this show? Yeah, life is too short to live in your shadows. You've got light, step into it. It's been a pleasure, Nada. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, Bill Keys. Thank you. Much love to you. We'll talk soon. Thank you for spending time with us today. Please go to nadahogan.com for show notes and other information that you can use right away. If you like what you've heard here, 
please subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to rate and review right there on iTunes, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. We'll see you next week.